it's you. You're here. That's fantastic. As you may know, I'm Nick, your host for this special edition of To a Certain Degree called Odd Numbers. This is where guests come back into WPRK and we chat about a topic or two. In this case, the episode is about time, 20 years to be exact, aka two decades. That's a long time to do anything, and 20 years of doing it well, doing it tenaciously, touching the lives of a lot of people, that's pretty amazing. And that's Mark Sherdorius for you, also known as Mark with a C. We discuss 20 years of lo-fi music and a million other things, and even more special, this episode airs with all of the music, his music, left in. Please enjoy. When you sit like seven with a C on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a very special edition of To a Certain Degree called Odd Numbers. This is Mark's uh, second time on Odd Numbers, third time on the show, uh, eight millionth time on WPRK in terms of either getting played with his music or being on the show. I'm a long-time listener and a first-time caller today. Aww. Mark with a C. Hello. It's You're wonderful back. to be back. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for getting up so early. I know it's a little bit of a, uh, not a hassle because it's so great to talk to me. So in a way, you're welcome. Never mind thanking you. No, you're right. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Were it not you, I, I don't know many other DJs I would do this for. And when I say that I really love to a certain degree, I, that's no joke. Oh, I genuinely love what you do, and I see it as radio art. And I was actually talking to you about this before the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I There's so much you can do with radio, and so, it's so narrow in scope what we continue to do with radio. And when you consider how few people are listening to radio, shouldn't we be getting away with a whole lot more? And, Just doing some craziness, yeah. And I love that 
yeah. you you verge into the fringe territories, so to speak. Um, thank you for doing what you do. Let me just get that out of the way right thank now. You. Were it not you, I would not be awake this early. You're welcome yet again. All right, so that was a song originally from Normal Bias, mm-hmm. I think uh, 2007. Sounds about right. Yeah. Okay, and it is now on your best of 20th anniversary best of. Maybe it'll be good. Mark with a C. Mm-hmm. And this is a three LP, two CD set. Um, you've been talking about this for a while online through your social media channels. But uh, for the people who don't know, uh, this is the 20th anniversary. This is the 20th year of Mark with a C. 20th anniversary of the persona Mark with a C. Uh, the best I've been able to trace seems to be around December 7th of 1999. I was working for a group named Precious. I was the roadie, mm-hmm. and lead singer, uh, lead guitarist, Steve Guerin, was fashionably late quite often. And uh, But in this particular case, it wasn't really Steve's fault. Uh, this is just as memory serves back at that time. This was at the old Kit Kat Club, which thankfully wasn't much for alliteration. And um, basically, it was like a package show. Someone either didn't show up or the show was running short, Audience was getting a little, hey, we'd like to see something right now. Uh, That's a polite way of putting it. Can anybody just get on the stage and do a thing? And since they had seen me up there tuning Steve's guitar or whatever I was doing, it sort of fell on me like, hey, can you entertain this audience? And I'm like, well, I was in other bands, sure, but I've got some silly songs. The the type of, like, dumb song that you just make up while you're washing the dishes. Sure. Yeah, I I can do that for, like, 20 minutes. So I go on. I open with the Laverne and Shirley theme, which is just the last thing anybody's expecting. And this makes the whole room shut up. This is something they have not done all night for the groups that they came to see. And the next thing I knew, my phone started ringing. And I've been doing that persona ever since. Now, the good part of it being a persona is I get to shut it off sometimes. Yeah. But I've written a book to explain just how deeply I live the persona when I'm living the persona how little time that leaves for Mark, the human being, and the dissonance in between. And that book is called Maybe It'll Be Good, My Life is Mark with a C. So you can know everything and all the good parts all at once. Everything that's not in those, those are all the bad parts, maybe. And it's all in there. Oh, gosh, yeah. The thing is so <laughs> revealing. It. When I was done reading the author copy, it's yeah. one thing to look at your manuscript and go like, yeah, I've nailed it. It's one thing to hold the book, though, and go, wait, other people have to contend with this information. Oh, gosh, I don't have secrets anymore. It's all out there. Yeah, you put yourself out there. You made yourself raw and open to the world. But I think the other thing is the expectation of you being Mark with a C all the time versus that is being that is a persona. Like, in many cases, we don't think about, not that you would consider yourself a celebrity, but we don't think about, people who put themselves out there like you do, uh, we don't often humanize them, right? Oh, they're you're... often a commodity. Uh, they're often a, uh, uh, you know, on a pedestal for us. Um, and so you humanizing yourself like that, I think is, is, all, is not only an interesting move, but it's very indicative of your personality. And I think what people get if they go to your shows, if they listen to your music and that sort of thing. I, I appreciate you seeing it from that perspective. Uh, I can I can boil it down really simply and take the the entire idea of celebrity and musician out of it. Um, think about any job you have where mm-hmm. you 
act unnaturally. What, when you do something or treat somebody that you don't know in a way that does not come naturally to you, you've got your work face on. Yeah. And uh, for music, multiply that by 4,000 because you have to engage. You have to exaggerate the excitement that you have for the music. Um, and in my case, there's so much excitement for the music that when I exaggerate it, it, it must be very, very, very contagious for me to be here 20 years later because what I do is not typical. And in my case, uh, th there are many musicians like me, but we never get our stories told mm -hmm. until either we pass away or someone puts it together through conjecture or someone's going, oh, did you hear about this thing that Mark did? And that sort of defines you way later. Instead, just telling it from your perspective, here's what it's like to go to quote unquote work and then try to shut it off. That story is not often told, and I'm thankful to be one of the first and few that bothered to tell the tale. And hopefully it's important to someone one day, but if it's not, maybe it'll just be an entertaining read or an entertaining listen. I think it'll be interesting to see or get feedback from other musicians who read it, because I think that, in, not that it's appealing only to musicians, obviously anybody who's... Uh, picked up uh, an instrument is not necessarily considering themselves a musician. All, anybody who listens to music and likes music and appreciates uh, the art and the craft of music would also like the book. But I'm curious if uh, other musicians can read your book and then learn something from it and maybe even further their own careers based on that. You know, that actually hadn't dawned on me. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not being glib here for radio, Nick. I Sincerely, that hadn't dawned on me. Earlier this year, I did a one-man, two-act music story called The Obscurity Show, mm -hmm. and that genuinely was, well, one, it was a labor of love and something I very much needed to do and put into the world, but secondly, it was also there to stimulate creatives, and especially people who didn't know they were creatives. I believe that everybody is a creative and just kind of doesn't believe they can do it, but they yeah. are to an extent. Um, sure, some of us are more left-brained, more right-brained, but... Everybody wakes up at some point and wants to do a thing. And if you do that, you are a creative, period. Uh, I know that that show stimulated creatives because of some things that happened in its wake. Mm -hmm. There were legitimately local musicians who were going, wait, I can write original songs and show them to people and I don't have to just get signed and wait for that moment. And yeah. now um, a great example is a young lady named Crystaly who's now opening for me on a lot of shows. But Crystaly didn't necessarily have that faith in themselves until the words, maybe it'll be good, hit them in the obscurity show. They had no idea that maybe it'll be good was going to be the name of a box set. They had no idea that it was going to be the name of a book and basically the name of an entire promotional year. They just heard those words and were like, yeah, I can create and maybe it won't suck. And then they went home that night and wrote their first original song in a while, put it on YouTube, and overnight, like 800 views pour in. Like, oh, it was good. What do right. you know? So I, I kind of felt like I got that out of my system in a way. But yeah, this maybe the book can do... Oh my gosh, I have a new... Way to sell the book. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> you got it. That's what I'm here for. All but about. I would be thrilled to know what it, how it lands with other, other creatives. I would be thrilled to know that. Well, to your point, and if you were to listen to, you can listen to Mark with a C's music, obviously, but you do a lot of 
uh, interviews, you do a lot of in-depth things uh, for your music. But if you look at the way that you've progressed and you've done music, it's not the traditional way. And so that's one thing that I'm sure is covered in the book. But the idea of going out and doing a bunch of gigs and touring and sleeping in the back of the van and uh, all of that stuff, which sounds super fun. Oh, absolutely. After the fact, like -hmm. when you think about it in the past, uh, you went and said, okay, what I really want to do is record the music first and make sure that it's where I want it to be. And then you do some touring to support that. Um, You put the music out in the world through a variety of ways. And I'm sure I may not be getting this right, but it is a little bit, your approach is different than what I would traditionally think is the, the, the musical grind. I was thinking while you were saying it, how normal it sounds to me. Yeah. Uh, it, it may not be traditional to others. I can't live by other people's sets of rules of how music is distributed, created, shown to people. I can only do what's right for me. And if I do it any other way, it's just full of artifice. It's not natural. It's not the way it flows from me. I don't want to be disingenuous, but I do want to give the persona and the music its due. And the music calls for being treated in a different way. Yeah. This doesn't mean it's special or exceptionally wonderful or anything. It just is not common. I see what I do as more of an extension of outsider music. And as such, I don't have a playbook. I can do whatever I'd like. How I tend to do shows outside of Florida is, let's say there's a pocket of fans in Montana, and I Mm -hmm. find out about that. I will go to Montana and play them what they want to hear. And the songs they might want to hear in Montana are vastly different from Orlando. That's wonderful. I love that. I have all these concurrent careers, and I'm only now kind of spending the 20th year figuring it all out, making sense of it, and I'm using it to inform the future. I think I'm a little more informed in the future than I've let on. I know precisely where I'm going. Oh, boy, do I. Uh, but I don't know what to call any of it. And that's, uh, well, I'm going to be spending the next year trying to figure out how to refer to it. Yeah, I don't do things in a traditional manner, and I don't think I would be interesting if I did. When I think that, so again, going back to the book, and in many ways going back to the box set, because I think that's reflected in how you pick the songs as well, and we can talk about that in a little bit. I want to play another song of yours here in a second. But going back to the book, and from a musician's standpoint, you know, seeing, having heard, uh, when we talked about this last time uh, when you were on the show, Paul McCartney talking about the 10,000 hours, doing the Hamburg thing, um, in, in thinking of that as the more traditional way of making music and getting ready for a career in music is going out there. And, you know, uh, if you can read the book and see that there's another way, that there are other distribution channels, that there are other ways to interact with fans, there's you know, a way to do this and have this creative outlet and it satisfy you and other people, right? Because we could, I tend to internalize my creative ideas and not share them because I'm scared of that. I'm scared of that sharing process. Oh, I'm sorry. I know that fear. That's why yeah. I, I interject to say I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm absolutely. sorry that you go through that. Yeah, but it's, it's interesting to see when you see somebody that I think has or has had uh, a similar way of doing things that's not necessarily the traditional way 
and them going out and being successful, relatively speaking, successful, uh, and writing a book about it. Um, that's a that's an interesting way of getting that work out there in terms of or that process out there in terms of helping other people. And so I really appreciate you doing that. Well, I, thank you for saying that. And I, I cover what you're saying in the introduction of the book, which mm-hmm. I'll summarize very quickly here, which is that I live my creative life by two mottos. One is I don't ask myself who's going to get it. I assure myself that the right people will get it. And two, on the days where I'm doubting it and internalizing the creativity and going, uh, this isn't maybe what the world needs or who do, who is this really servicing? Um, on those days, I live my life by the four words. Maybe it'll be good. It can't be good unless I make it. Um, it doesn't even have the chance to be good. If it's not out there. If it's not created, period, for me yeah. to even review it. So the first thing you've got to do is get over yourself and your own hang-up to even make the thing, to even start making it. And I'm still 20 years in every day telling myself, well, maybe this one will be good. And did that apply to this interview? Yes, even this interview. Maybe this will be good. Firing off an email to my pal Nick saying, hey, I love your show. May I be on it again? Mm -hmm. I've got stuff to talk about. There was still that doubt because what we're doing, even though we're just talking here in the microphones, this is still creating. This is still art. This is still radio art. So there is a bit of that, oh, but what if it goes badly? What if I sound terrible on the mic? What if I slip up and swear again? Um, it hasn't happened here. Okay. I did do it in Canada, though. Great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I found out they have dump buttons in Canada. Um, oh, they have so many things in Canada. They have a lot of poutine. Mm-hmm. And let me just say we could learn a lot from the abundance of poutine. Do you see how not angry Canadians are, I think it's down to the amount of starch you can get on every corner. It makes sense. I think all of that tracks. Comfort food everywhere? Come on! (laughs) All right, we're not doing bad business ideas today, but I'm going to put that in the back burner for that. Let's play a song, and we'll come back and talk more about the book, the box set, the uh, potential for touring, the podcasts that you're doing right now where you're going into depth on all of your past albums in order mm-hmm. and really talking and digging into it. And I'm sure having emotional experiences through that as well. Very emotional. I bet. Uh, but right now I think uh, this kind of ties into it. Please don't let my art die. Ah, good, good one to pick. Yeah. And that's uh, obviously off the box set. What was it off of originally? That was on the last album of original material to date called Obscurity. Obscurity. Okay. And that came out last year? That came out in uh, early 2018. It was the one that I went up to Canada to have produced by Jordan Zadarazny. And to me, it's pretty much the crown jewel in the discography. Okay. So we'll listen to that on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Mark with a C. You're listening to Odd Numbers. I'd say I don't want a funeral, but nobody listens. Funerals are like birthday parties and they ain't always about the victim. What matters is how it feels when all the attendees leave. Like when I was at that funeral and I heard my song sung back to me. Now, death ain't no joke and death is eternal. Something gets a bunch of clouds Church says it's a fiery inferno Or it could be blackness So maybe we'd find 
just be unconscious thinking about how wrong everything went but i think please don't let my heart die it's about the only thing i did right with my life i tried so hard to be obscure and make the right people With the C on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to Odd Numbers. Please don't my let. Please don't let my art die. Art, my please don't let. Art, please. I, it's a Garfunkel reference, right? Oh, obviously. Art, please don't die. I this got dark. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, sorry the, about the that. The drummer for the uh, the Mark <laughs> with the C trio, Jim Myers, who of has course, you know been of on course, the show recently, of, yeah. to a certain degree. Uh, he is a, a really big Art Garfunkel fan, so you have just made his morning, I'm sure. Good. I'm sure. I, I, Jim Myers, of course, also the uh, director of the Melrose Center Absolutely. in downtown Orlando. Uh, was a great interview, and uh, they're going to have a lot of interesting things coming up in the new year, including their uh, Melrose Center Awards. I think that's in February, but uh, yeah. Aren't we so lucky that the Melrose Center exists. And uh, I'm not saying this to, to blow smoke for Jim or anything, no, but no, no, I mean, no. legitimately, we are so lucky in this cultural melting pot that there is just a studio you can use just to, just by having a library card. I mean, in the world where 
you you buy a Mac and it just comes preloaded with GarageBand and pretty much anybody can record, there's still a place where you can get better fidelity, better microphones, exactly. all that. It's, I, we're so lucky. And uh, I guess it, in a way, ties in to the box set because side F, side six, is all recorded live at the Melrose Center. So when you did the Melrose in the mix. Yes, those yeah. that is that entire session except for the encore and one song that didn't make the track list but i wanted to very much represent here's me in orlando mm-hmm. with a small group of people who have that that i've meant a lot to over the years uh, uh, people with music can heal tattoos are in the room it was very important to me that it wrapped up kind of how it began at least the box set itself let's talk a little bit about choosing what you're going to put on a best of um, because I think you went about it a little bit differently. Whereas a lot of best ofs, you know, for example, Steve Miller, that's the only thing you think of when you think of Steve Miller, I think for a lot of people is you ain't they, wrong. They've bought the best of album and that's all they've purchased of Steve Miller. And, and knowing Steve Miller's catalog, the weird part is prior to that, he made really cool records oh, prior yeah. to all of those, like the yeah. stuff from like the space cowboy era. Mm-hmm. They're really neat, but in a pinch, yeah, that's kind of all you need. What I think when I bring that up, uh, it's because they're picking the most popular songs. The, the Eagles songs are that, another great example yeah, of that. The songs that hit the highest on the charts, the songs that the fans always want to hear uh, played at the uh, at the concerts and such. What you were doing is similar to actually what you did for one of your albums, I think, popular music. Or mm-hmm. would you say it's a little bit different? In terms of what you did. So could you go over what you did for popular music and then talk a little bit about how you picked the tracks for this 20th anniversary uh, box set? Maybe it'll be good. The best of Mark with a C, which is available on three LPs or two CDs. It's interesting that you brought up the popular music parallel. It actually kind of hadn't hit me till right now. Yeah. Um, but no, you're, you're well, right. This I is think, very in line with what I do. I, I think that to to further that, the importance of the fans for you oh, yeah. is a priority that you don't necessarily, and this is not me blowing smoke, I, I just don't you know, know of a lot of bands that really interact with their fans the way that you do. And, and I don't see why you wouldn't. Right. Um, I, I, I think I, it's mainly time, but yeah. But, you know, before I get into that, there, there's something that, uh, inspired me greatly at a point where more people were discovering me and I was starting to get recognized like just going to the movies and stuff and it was mm-hmm. almost becoming an annoyance mm-hmm. like well guys I just want my popcorn can I please just you know watch insert movie here in silence um, it was a, a rush documentary Getty Lee you know says he had to make a decision very early on in his career on how to handle this kind of stuff and I'm paraphrasing a bit but it's as direct of a quote as I can remember something along the lines of if someone stops me on the street and says that what I do for a living meant something to them I got time for them Mm. I'm going well wait if Getty Lee who's much busier and much more famous than I uh, one ever wants to be or two ever will be if he can make time for you I have no excuse even if it's just one word of hey I'm really busy but thank you I I have to. I don't know that it will always be that way. Sure. But I can do it right now, so I'd like to take advantage of it. Now, to answer your initial question, in 2012, 2013, I released an album called Popular Music. At the time, 
crowdsourcing was really kicking off, the, the Kickstarters, the Indiegogos. And I had just done one to get one of my favorite earlier records on vinyl called Normal Bias. And I found the experience to be humiliating and inspiring because you're constantly checking to see how much your fans love you. Um, and that love is expressed within money. And that's a... And I, I don't think, think a, that way. For for you too, I think it would be a hard ask, right? Like sometimes, you know, you you have to go out and promote yourself. You're a musician, you're you're a working musician, and you know, I think that it's interesting going back to the idea of this as a persona for you. I I'm curious if it's easier for you to push that out as something that requires money because it is a persona and it's not you the person. Yes, only the persona can do it. Mark yeah. Sardorius, private citizen, cannot just go up and say, um, some gruel, please, sir. No, that's, I, I just can't. It's yeah. not for me. I have a very hard time asking for help. So you're putting it even on that mask when you're yeah. self-promoting. And I mean, I'm it, still being kind yeah. about it, and I'm not going like, hey, hey, wacky Mark with a C here. I'm not doing that, but I do have to look at it as part of the persona's job. So when you say there was a, a certain level of humility in going out and asking for yeah. help in terms of doing normal bias, yeah, I could see that. So I've, that whole experience made me wonder, well, if I'm trusting fans with money, why don't I trust them with ideas? Mm -hmm. Some people were saying, no, they didn't want to support the, uh, the the crowdsourcing campaign to get normal bias on vinyl, which at that point was a you know five, six-year-old record because it wasn't their favorite record. They wanted me to do bubblegum romance or they wanted me to do life so hard or something, but yeah. that wasn't the record they wanted. So I thought, well, why aren't we trusting fans with their ideas? Let's see what happens. But I know what happens. You can, you can give people everything they claim to want, but if they already know that they're getting that, there's no reason to continue experiencing it. Correct. So popular music was a snake eating its own tail. I would go out throughout 2012 and post open-ended questions on the, usually it was the Mark with a C Facebook page, things like, what is a song title that would make you buy an album, Sight Unseen? Or what do you think the biggest problem facing the world today is? Or what do you most want out of Mark with a C records? I used that data to finish the songs for popular music. Then... It was done on a pie chart, many pie charts where uh, in the liner notes we explained just how much of the user data we used to make each song, mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of offensive, some of the graphs. Um, but the, the biggest tell is that the front cover is a pie chart, and when you take the record out, the record itself is the pie chart. It is designed to be the pie, the pie chart. You are dropping the needle on the information, and you're hearing back the focus group information. Yeah. But the most important part of the popular music album is my favorite song on it called The End of Popular Music. That's the whole point that I was trying to get at. I can give you everything you claim to want to hear, but you'll never hear my favorite song because you'll never make it to the end of the record because you're already tired of this because you already came up with it. Yes, it's a snake eating its own tail. It's a bit meta. It's a bit postmodern, but it's also a pretty rad record, mm -hmm. and it's a record we all made together. Maybe it'll be good. The best of Mark with a C was made in a somewhat similar way, but ultimately over years 
of going to a Facebook group called Mark with a C Advisory Board. I explained to them what I was doing. And then each month we would have a, uh, I would pick, say, my first album, Human yeah. Slushy, and I go, here's the eligible songs from this. Which ones are the most Mark? Not the best, necessarily. Which ones represent me and my act and my persona and what you get out of me? So as opposed to popular music, which is you were writing the songs for that. Yes. This is, and having experienced a little bit of it with doing your 10th anniversary best of, Mm -hmm. uh, you went back and said, okay, uh, not necessarily because of popular music, but because you trust these fans. These fans are the closest to you. They are forming your advisory board. Um, You almost uh, were looking to them as your sounding board for this process. I didn't want to choose the track list for maybe it'll be good because one, if I had chosen it, it would be very different from what's actually on it. But secondly, and I've said this in every interview in this press cycle, it's really not up to me. Mm -hmm. If, if it's available for you to hear at some point, I thought it was a good idea. So how am I supposed to narrow that down and know how that's going to land with you? It's really up to the audience what the best is. It will never not be up to the audience what the best is. And uh, the only, I think, ground rules I gave for this that it, it was that it had to be originally written by me. It couldn't be a co-write. So that left one song... That, that I know people kind of miss on this compilation called All My Drug Use Is Accidental. It was actually written by my prior stage drummer, Chris Zabriskie, but we wrote it in a contest. We had the, uh, the song title sort of given to us, and whoever finished it first with the better song got, you know, got to release it. And as it was written by someone who was not me, it was not eligible for this compilation. But beyond that, I think, it's pretty representative of all phases and everything that I've done. And importantly, people seem to like it. Fans didn't look at the track list and go, really? Everyone went, no, this seems right. And there are songs that legitimately shock me that they are on here. In particular, the title track to the album, Exactly Where I Am, I had no idea it had the following that it did. This still is... I'm still surprised I'm saying this on the radio. And the song She Loves the B-Sides, which was so early and formative. And to even get that song on vinyl, we literally... I had to bake the master... Or as close as I could find to the master tape to keep the oxide from falling off to finally make a digital transfer through a non-faulty wire. That's funny because it, it never occurred to you that you would need that in a digital format, so you never did it earlier. No, I didn't think we'd be talking about any of this 20 years later. <laughs> I really, I, I think early on I assumed, okay, well, I'll work for a little while, then I'll eventually get signed, then my career really begins. I didn't know it was all going to be linear. <laughs> I just, it never dawned on me, but I also didn't have aspirations other than make something and then give it to people. Nice. So this just kind of celebrates 20 years of, the unexpected, but it's been a really good unexpected, especially for me. I hope it was good for you guys too. Uh, I think I can speak for all of us and say, yes, that's the case. I mean, having just gone to the holiday show, having seen you uh, a multitude of times and hearing everybody, I I think that's it is when you have that, that sing along and you have that 
you know, just there's something about live music. There's there's something that live music that cannot be replaced on any. It doesn't matter how big the screen is or if you're watching it in a movie theater, like some sort of. Uh, and if that's the only way you can experience it, great. But there's something about that experience. But there's also you can tell when it's going to be a different show. You can tell when it's going to be that show that you just walk out of and you're still humming along and you feel good about it days later. And that has always been my experience of a Mark with a C show, having started seeing them five, six, seven years ago. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Um, And this is not me. I, I mean, this is thinking back on it in a way this is what made me nervous about our initial interview is that I didn't know you at all. And so when you came in and I listened to it the other day, the second interview is much better when we're talking about lyrics and what meant things to us and things of that nature. I was super nervous because I'm like, obviously this person knows something I don't and is magic. And so this is going to be a tough interview. I feel bad about the very first interview because well, I've listened to it relatively recently and I sound positively hammered in it, but the but I wasn't hammered. I mean, I don't no, do anything no, in, just, intoxicating. Yeah. I I'd been up for at that point what 36 yep. hours or something and I'd played a show. I was It was actually yeah, it was right after your birthday show maybe. Oh yeah, so that yeah. would have been like a 3-hour show. Yeah. I was just beat. <laughs> and I I've always felt bad about it that the first experience here with us together, I must have just sounded just drunk or something, but that just wasn't the case. I no, no I could no, no, barely no. I keep my eyes open in yeah. that interview, and I then, get a lot of that from people I interview. Uh, is barely it, keeping their eyes open. No, I'm kidding. And this That's is any time the of the listeners. day. That's listeners. Oh gosh, <laughs> I wish I would have known that. <laughs> But yeah, that's a. Uh, I I was nervous too, but mostly because of how I knew I was coming across. But I think that you know, and coming back on the show, talking about lyrics, having that topic to discuss, coming on, you know, having had discussions since, having hung out and gotten record sort of picking and doing other things, is there's this comfort level uh, between us. But I still there's still that like, I still can't believe I'm talking to this guy who was on stage like a couple of weeks ago and had the crowd in the palm of his hand. But you're not talking to them. You're talking to Mark, the private citizen. It, it's really just when I'm doing it en masse or for many people that you're dealing with the persona. How much of that do you get into in the book? Like in terms of putting the mask on, how you deal with that, how you've dealt with that, because that can be... You know, I, I don't want to say, and I don't want to belittle like any kind of mm-hmm. uh, mental uh, uh, illness like schizophrenia, but you know, there might be some times where you're feeling like, wait, who am I right now? And I'm wondering. Oh, about, I do get into that, but it's yeah. not where you think it's going to be. Okay. Um, it's addressed in two ways. One is the line drawn between when I'm an artist and when I'm an entertainer because mm-hmm. they are two vastly different things. And when I'm an inter- when I am an entertainer, that's when the persona comes out to play. Yeah. But secondly, when I talk about my side project, which uh, for a while was kind of the main project, only, but for a very short period of time, the band Clearing the Potatoes, mm-hmm. that was when I had to uh, what what's the right way to put this? compartmentalize 
I had to figure out a way to do it because it was overtaking me. There were too many personas, and I did run a risk of... I, I got landed in therapy over it. Um, there were just too many personas to keep straight, and, and I cracked under the pressure. But going to therapy at that moment, and then I also got... There were some issues with my health, and I got some surgeries that corrected them, and, well, at the time, I was nearly 300 pounds, and now... I'm probably in the best health I've ever been in my entire life. It's really good that I met that moment and that is addressed in the book. Unfortunately, there's also a diary in the book that will show you the day-to-day idiosyncrasies of doubting yourself, Mm -hmm. not feeling like you can get out of bed. And that may come across as incredibly whiny to many, but here's the fact. It's the truth. It is the truth. There there was an entire year where I didn't feel that I had anything to give, that I didn't feel that I was good enough anymore, that I didn't feel like the world wanted what I did. And that was the year that obscurity came out. It's, I'm putting that mask on and you don't know it half the time. Yeah. But I think we all do it. I, I think if you let if you deal with any sort of mental or emotional disorder and i do myself i deal with bipolarity anxiety ptsd a litany of issues but i think if you do if you have that inside of you and you need to just go to the coffee shop you have to put on a mask you have to so you don't burst out into tears or make that that cashier feel like they've done something wrong to upset you we all do it to an example. I just kind of get to do it for a living. Mm. Why don't we leave it at that for now? I think that uh, this song might be appropriate at this moment. One of these are going to be your day. You know, on some days, that's my favorite tune I've ever made up. Yeah? Yeah. And it's not just because of what happened in its wake. That song was written for me, and I did not think that anybody would like it. And there's a running... There's a recurring theme of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the songs that I don't think anyone's going to like or get, that's why I have to constantly tell myself, no, the right people will get it. And I think we got a couple of other of those coming up, but uh, let's listen to that one. And that'll be from the box set. And also what... That one's also from Obscurity. From Obscurity, right. Yeah, that's what I thought. And uh, you'll hear that on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to Odd Numbers. You won't be jumping out of your skin forever Pretty soon the jitters have gotta go away Things can't always feel so damn untethered Pretty soon it might just be okay Though it's tough to say since this sounds so cliche like a rhyme scheme that goes a a a you can use this song like lingerie you can stain it up once and throw it away but one of these are gonna be your day look at your pulse and really think about it In a slow decay You can search in vain for angioscopics But we'll 
more than just an alphanumeric display. Though that's tough to say, since this sounds so cliche, like a rhyme scheme that goes A, A, A. Gilmore led the Floyd Brigade, they still had on the turning away, and one of these are gonna be your day. And the bad windows away. You can search for islands that you don't get, or you can be your own Daniel Faraday. Though that's tough to say, since this sounds so cliche, like a rhyme scheme that goes A, A, A. If you're in a hole, you didn't. Maybe it's just special K, but one of these is gonna be your day. One of these are gonna be your day. with a C on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, originally from the Obscurity album. You can also find it on his new 20th anniversary box set. One of these are going to be your day. Uh, Mark, I forgot to ask you in the last part, we were talking about how Mark with a C is here. Did I mention that? Just in I, case you're tuning in. I'll ask Mark. Mark, did he mention it? I wasn't listening. Okay, great. Thanks, Mark. Oof. What a guy. Uh, you mentioned, okay, so going through the process of figuring out what songs were going to be on this 20th anniversary best of, talking to the fans, interacting with them, going through, hey, there's this album, here are the songs that I'm considering, which ones do you think, make a case for or against them, you know, going back and forth with arguments, I'm sure you had to step in and mediate, but for the most part, it was probably good conversations that people They were, were all good conversations. Yeah. Nobody got uppity or sniffy about anything now you're also going back and doing a uh, version of the podcast that you do sort of a discography on yourself and going through each album yes it changed forms it was going to be kind of as you described yep. but then it was done as a sub-series for a, a podcast called the us show that's had me on numerous times mm -hmm. and I, I became friends with the host of that show, AJ and Evolution, and he he's a great guy and a real cool singer, too. I mean, he's just got this great New Orleans growl, but he'll be doing that while playing an acoustic version of, say, Personal Jesus, so you just don't see it coming. It's really neat. Um, but initially, we were going to do this album by album, and I was going to do it just for my Patreon with uh, Chris Abriski, who was instrumental in 
probably the first 14, 15 years of Mark of the Sea. Without him, the career would have been very different. The trajectory would have been different. The albums would have been different. The sequencing would have been different. The art would have been different. Chris Zabriskie is a huge player in the persona Mark with a C and what exists and what's out there and the decisions that were made and the decisions that were not made. Um, then Chris got busy and just could not do the podcast with me. So initially it was just going to be the two of us sort of reminiscing and you got what you got. Instead, now I've handed it over to AJ as a sub-series of The Us Show and he's free to ask me and importantly, let me underline this, it is no holds barred. AJ can ask me anything they want to ask me about any of these records, no matter how personal, and I have to either come up with something or a very evasive answer. <laughs> but mostly I try to tell the truth on yeah. it. The manner in which we do the evolution of Mark with a C is that I don't listen to my, myself every day. I just don't. I'm, I'm thinking about the next thing almost always. This is the only year where I'm really listening to everything yeah. constantly. Well, Mostly this is an so introspective like, year. I mean, it's 20th anniversary and all of that. Yes, and I'm, I'm using what I'm picking up now yeah. to inform the future, uh, the parts that will be useful in the future, the parts that I would like to further, and I'm also deciding what I'd like to leave in the past, and I've already made up my mind on a lot of that. But uh, the important thing to know about the evolution of Mark with a C, and I, I make this clear finally, I think, by the third episode, is that I have not heard these records, other than maybe mastering them for vinyl or a vinyl reissue, just in functional ways. But I don't so, yeah, listen to them for content. Right. So you're listening for the sound quality, how it'll work on vinyl. And yeah. So you're you're like a doctor. In yeah, many ways. I am I have not listened to these albums yeah. for fun or like a listener in yeah. years. And I, I have to underline years. At work okay, so maybe I'll go um Oh, hey, uh, somebody's been requesting the song One Hit Wonder. I need to refresh myself on that. I'll listen to it a couple times to get the chords right mm -hmm. or to get the words right, but I don't think about it as a song. So for the first time, I'm actually having to contend with these things as albums and what they mean to me and where I was and why I did these things. I listened to it on the drive to AJ's house. He lives about 40, 45 minutes from me, which is perfect because most of my albums are about 40, 45 minutes. So I am literally walking through the door, and I haven't even had time to live with it. I've just got to vomit out my first impression on whatever AJ is about to ask me about that record. I don't know what AJ is going to ask me about that record. And this has turned into some really heavy episodes. The very first one, Human Slushy, was practically a therapy session, and I hope this one isn't a, a spoiler. The one that's coming in January is for shock treatment interpretations, which is one that I wasn't intending to cover. But having given, well, not really given, you know, this is AJ's show, so he decides what we're going to cover. He mm -hmm. went, this is too canon not to cover. I didn't see it that way. And I'm glad that he picked it because it is the most emotionally heavy episode and just have tissues handy. It, it will probably break your heart. Well, and having, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about this off air, uh, that particular album and, you know, what, where your headspace was at the time and yeah. how you were, how you were approaching that as a creative outlet 
but also as a therapeutic outlet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting one. So I would encourage everybody to listen to that. Yeah, I had to really rewind and go like, what was bothering me yeah. at the time? And realizing it, it ultimately was a the more things change, the more they stay the same kind of situation. Yeah. And it was realizing just how little had moved. It, it feels like we've got, it feels like the world's progressed quite a bit in 20 years, but mostly in technological ways. As far as are we in a better place, I can't say we are. That doesn't mean that good things don't happen and aren't coming or aren't possible to Mm -hmm. be coming down the pike, but we haven't moved much as a society with our outlook, at least in America. That's as political as I'm going to get. I prefer to be people's distraction from politics, but you know, I'm as liberal as they come and Mm -hmm. that's, I'll leave it at that. All right. Uh, let us, we're already at the end of the first hour. Say that again? We're already at the end of the first hour. I disagree. Rewind. <laughs> Let's go back. Let's uh, just take over the the, uh, the radio station for the rest of the day. Yeah, why not? You can okay. cook, uh, right? I can clean. I can cook. I do well, windows. I can clean too. I love cleaning. Okay. It, well, it's my therapeutic outlet. I, I usually jam Steely Dan when I'm cleaning. It's, I don't know why it's the most motivating thing to clean. My wife says, is it because you get the pleasure of turning it off when you're done? Because she really doesn't get into Steely Dan. But um, no, I happen to love Steely Dan and find them quite motivating. Nice. Uh, Well, let's listen to uh, while we're doing that, while we're doing a little cleaning uh, of our minds, of the space that we're in. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to go somewhere uh, a little too inappropriate for this early in the morning. Uh, Retro Lo-Fi. Ooh. We'll listen to that one. Speaking of inappropriate for this early in the morning. Yeah, yeah. We're going to listen to that on WPRK in Winter Park, Florida. Mark with a C is my very special guest. You can find him, of course. Don't promote you enough, but uh, markwithac.com. And from there, you can find all of his uh, social media channels, all of his albums, all of his books, all of his book, (laughs) I should say. And Uh, uh, would you like a spoiler about this song? uh, Yes. Nobody knows this Please. In January... Retro Lo-Fi finally has a music video. People at patreon.com slash mark with a C have already seen it, but that is the next video and single from Maybe It'll Be Good. So you've uh, you picked well, friend. All right. Thank you very much. And uh, you'll hear that on WPRK. There's five bucks in my pocket now. What can I do? I'll find the nearest thrift store and I'll start to peruse through their used records, all of those vinyl memories. Well, they might be all scratched up, but they still sound good to me. That's true, but it's not the way that I prefer 
to the Who. You take that live Nirvana record, for instance, it even comes with an extra track, cause Kurt knew rock and roll sounds better on 12 inches of wax. And I enjoying this show as much as I enjoy talking to Mark with a C, consider subscribing. I talk to a bunch of people from around Orlando who are doing neat things. Musicians like Mark, artists, improv performers, actors, entrepreneurs, and a bunch of others. A bunch of others. How can you resist? Now back to more music.
Mark with a C on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, a little ditty called Holly Vincent. And that's from his new best of, the best of Mark with a C. Maybe it'll be good. I hope it is. It is. Yeah, I can answer that. Hooray! Yes, thank you. And Mark is here today talking a little bit about influences, talking a little bit about the process of uh, putting this together, uh, 20th anniversary of uh, the persona of Mark with a C, and uh, writing a book about it. So part, uh, the book-wise, 20 years of sort of his approach to music. So part diary, Mm -hmm. part summation, Um, and you have reviews in there as well. Yeah, there's a fan perspective section yeah. at the end because we we often forget sometimes when we get so into our own, our own heads mm-hmm. about what we make, someone's got to receive this. And importantly, it, it's got to mean something over time. One of my favorite parts of the uh, the fan perspective chapter, I mean, and I don't, I feel bad singling anybody out. There's a, a cat named Matt who wrote about the album called This World is Scary as Blank. I, just a word I cannot say here on the Thank air. Thank you. But uh, importantly, they don't like the record. I love that. Isn't that great? They, yeah. They're a fan, and they were like, yeah, I'll take this record, and they wanted to write about it not being their favorite. I love that. Yeah. That's the honesty I strive for in what I do. I love that I got it back from the listeners. How was it surprising to read some of that? I mean, obviously, you know, it sounds like you're not just putting in the stuff that makes you feel good. That's your fans pats on the back uh, towards you if you're putting something like that in. But was there any when you're putting when you're putting compiling this book together and you're doing that and you're asking people for that? Were there any particular surprises or was there any like those moments of, wow, okay, well, I'm glad uh, I'm glad that happened. The surprise for me was uh, a gentleman named Nick Cottrell wrote about uh, the album Exactly Where I Am, Mm -hmm. and they very much applied it to their own life and what was going on with them, and it's a a really stirring emotional read. Ditto for someone's review of Linda Lovelace for president. They got so in-depth with their personal life, I could not believe it. And uh, the one that probably surprised me the most was... Bubblegum Romance, uh, my second record, which is often one of the most beloved by listeners. The What I got from a lady named Ashley was more or less a poem inspired by how the record makes them feel in their current relationship. Hmm. and Or at the time, their current relationship. I don't know where they're at now, but yeah. that I didn't expect. So they made art inspired by my art to put in the book, and that was neat. I really did not anticipate that. Though I had said, like, hey, you can do anything you want if if you want to sign up for this. If you want to just draw a picture, great, draw the picture. But just say something about any impact, any impact at all. And I was shocked to get art in return. That's fantastic. Going back to the song we just played, Holly Vincent, speaking of art, you were, uh, in many ways that's a reaction to the art that you were receiving mm-hmm. um, because you're talking about listening to college radio early in the morning. And Holly Vincent was a player in the indie punk rock scene in the late seventies. She, she was part of the waitresses as um, well. I don't know. Was she? I think so. 
Um, yeah, for a little bit. Because um, I, I love the waitresses. I, I mean, she might have been brought in to, to fill in for the vocalist at, at the end because it was Patty that was the... I, I'm thinking case, out loud. What, what it made me do was go back and research and figure out who this person was because I think sometimes songs are just songs. They just hit us at an emotional time. We listen to them, and sometimes we don't go into any more depth than what they are. And so when something like this comes out where it's Holly Vincent and you're saying some very specific things, it makes me want to go in and even if it's just a week, a Wikipedia search, like who is Holly Vincent? Why, what is this song about? And you know, how do I dig into that? So I always like it when, you know, people help me discover musicians. I like help me discover other things or ask other questions, uh, especially when it comes to music, but that could apply to anything. Mm -hmm. Right. So, was for Holly Vincent, was that your intention or was it just a tribute to her and college radio? Like, where did that song come from? It was part of a whole cluster of songs that I'd written that were highly inspired by growing up on, I wouldn't so much say college radio fully, but what I, what I would refer to as left of the dial stations, mm -hmm. the, the better the chance that I can't predict what's coming next and especially what genre is coming next, the more I'm going to listen to that radio station. So in this case, there was a, a Tampa station that in the afternoon had a, a show called the banana split show. And on clear days in Lake County in my teens, I could pick it up while I was cleaning my room. And it turned me on to, for example, Holly and the Italians, where Holly Vincent, mm -hmm. where I discovered Holly Vincent at first. And bands like Sloan and uh, Jonathan Richmond. And I, I found that difficult music to some could be buoyed by enough melodic counterpoint. So it was a mass, massively influential show for me. And the way that they all sort of came together to create their own genre, though these bands didn't necessarily sound similar, by virtue of the fact that they were being delivered to me in the same show, they became of a piece. So it became of its own genre to me, though nobody else would probably see it this way. I have mixed CD upon mixed CD of what I consider to be banana split music. Mm -hmm. but that won't make sense to anybody else, but... Uh, the album Pop, Pop, Pop in general was a tribute to the indie pop that I discovered on Left of the Dial stations. That, so yeah. that song, Fighting for Love, As the Bombs Fell, Ammonia, these are songs from that record. They were all inspired by it in some way. We talk about when a musician comes on, you talk about musical influences, and that's kind of what we covered in the first uh, two interviews. I'm curious, though, you know, you're talking about a radio station, um, not necessarily the musician, but the feeling of that particular radio show. Uh, beyond that, what are some of the influences you look at that have helped you create music, create the Mark with a C persona? Um, you know, for me, it would be, I would want to ask what your, and I don't want to imply that you are a comedian or a comedy music act but I would be curious about your comedic influences. I think that's an important question for everybody. I think we almost, you know, in my case, if I'm going to be friends with you, I need to know what your comedic influences are. That's fair. Uh, because if it's just Adam Sandler, is it early Adam Sandler? Is it still Adam Sandler? Because I may need to take a step back. No offense, Adam Sandler. I know you're listening. I'll give full offense. I'm not an, Anna, Adam, I'm not an Adam Sandler guy. <laughs> um, 
that doesn't mean that there's nothing he's ever done that I enjoy. There's oh, actually course. quite a few funny things yeah. that, especially his little goat sketch from a, one of his comedy records. I, I think right. it's quite funny, but uh, I'm not an Adam Sandler guy. But I would go back like... I think he'd probably describe himself the same. I'm not an Adam Sandler guy. I am not. A, yeah, he's not a fan of himself. Um, but I would go back and say uh, Benson. You know, when I watched that as a kid, like that taught me sarcasm. That taught me in many ways how I approach self not only self-deprecation, but also pushing people away sometimes to try to keep distance by being sarcastic and things like that. Uh, not that that's what the Defense show was intended. Mechanism. Yeah, exactly. But I'm curious about, so what were those for you? Was it stand-up comedy? Was it, uh, you know, Dr. Demento level stuff? There's very specific ones. Um, the TV show, The Monkees, yep. uh, um, showed me camaraderie without toxic masculinity. I mean, these guys all slept in the same room in pajamas, and that was never weird. If they were sad and crying, they'd hug each other, and that was never weird. Um, but it was also funny as heck. And there were four very distinctly funny personalities, funny in different ways. Mm. In a lot of ways, I kind of wanted to be all of the monkeys at once. Steve Martin's movie, The Jerk. That's the beginning of me discovering humor at all. Uh, How did you watch that? Like, where were you? How old were you? I was about seven and it was on TV. Mm -hmm. It was edited for TV, but it had extra scenes that weren't in the film to fill out the time. There's a beautiful scene that is not available anywhere on DVD, VHS, nothing, where um, Steve Martin is, and, and you may remember this if you've seen the, the movie, because it is set up. Uh, he's made his millions making the OptiGrab eyeglass thing, and uh, someone comes to the door of his new mansion and the butler explains, hey, there's people here for charity. And he's like, no, there's people far more deserving than me. And like, no, they want you to give. All right, so one of the people that comes in, and this isn't in the version that you can see now, an, a fellow billionaire shows up and he's crying because all the seats on his private jet, private jet have cracked leather now and you just can't fly people around like that. I mean, do you know what that's like to have to apologize for the seats on your private jet? And they just burst into tears together. And that scene had such an impact on me. Like, wow, those two people and only those two people get that situation. Yeah. And that's why it's funny. Um, as far as stand-up comedy went, Bill Hicks. Mm. Number one always in my heart. Also, uh, you know, to a point, Stephen Wright, and I think that's that's pretty clear. Mitch Hedberg, I tend towards the the more one-liner kind of comedians. I do like storytelling comedians as well. I I wish that I didn't have to disown liking early Bill Cosby records, but now yeah. I, I feel gross even trying, so I got no problem with that. Uh, the Dolomite films, um, which were, importantly, people would ask like hey is this supposed to be funny but Rudy Ray Moore knew what he was doing he 100% did and B movies and their intentional humor that you're not sure if you're allowed to laugh at if that's poor production quality or if it's genuinely meant to be funny I love that line and I carried that over into Mark with the C records every single one of them every last one of them beyond comedy um what about literature? What about books you're reading? Like, you know, you wrote a book, mm -hmm. which is impressive, but you've been writing for a while. So not only songwriting, but I know, uh, for example, with the discography podcast, 
where you went through and did and uh, looked at in depth the records from uh, particular artists in order. Uh, that included Frank Zappa, Janet Jackson, The Who, and you've got some, we'll talk about some of the new stuff that's mm-hmm. uh, potentially coming down the pike as well. You've been writing for a while. Who influenced you in that way beyond songwriting? Literature is a little bit harder to say because I don't necessarily have like a favorite fiction writer or mm-hmm. anything. The books I gravitate towards are subjects I'm already interested in, and I tend towards historical nonfiction, honestly, mostly musical. I do enjoy quite a bit of true crime, but my favorite current author and the guy who makes me want to write things. As soon as I, I read a chapter, I'm inspired and I want to go make something new. John Ronson, the cat behind the book, The Psychopath Test, mm-hmm. he did, which I think should be required reading, and this thing should be issued to everybody in America, especially in 2019, especially in our political landscape. Again, that's as far as I'm going. Um, but he's also written a great book called So You've Been Publicly Shamed. Uh, a friend of mine had an issue where they were publicly shamed and they needed that book. There's a, a great essay called Lost at Sea. That he, he did a book on that. You know, uh, you've often heard about it, but you never know what it's, how real it is. That billionaire retreat where all the most powerful people in the world secretly go away for a weekend and kind of like howl at the moon and stuff. Well, he snuck into it. And there's a book to tell the story. These are mostly nonfiction, but I don't know that they all really happen. So there's an element of this might not be true, but John Ronson is a huge literary influence to me currently, but he makes me want to go make songs. Interesting. Any relation to Mark Ronson? I would be, I would be shocked. Yeah. I'm just kidding. That's the only Ronson I know of. Mick Ronson, uh, David Bowie's guitarist. Oh, uh, from the Ziggy period, at least. Okay. Well, now I know three. Now you know three. Those are the three I know, hey, too. Hey, Bronsons, come at me. Man, that would be the coolest super group or sitcom. Yeah. The, let's work on that offline. Why don't we listen to a song while we start writing that up? The story of the Ramones. That inspires me oh. more, even more than the records. The story of the rising above oppression and never getting the credit for pioneering what they pioneered. That keeps me going. Sorry, just wanted to jump in with one. I read about it constantly. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I dislike the Ramones. No, they're one of my favorite groups, but their story is possibly more inspiring than the music to me. Where would, if you were going to push somebody out there to read about that, um, obviously, you know, like when I was looking at Holly Vincent, I would just go to the Wikipedia page, but I'm sure there's much more to it. It sounded like a very interesting and influential life that she led. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, was there a particular book or magazine article or something that you would recommend for the Ramones? In the case of the Ramones, I'd recommend going directly to their documentary called Mm -hmm. End of the Century because you're going to get the most important bullet points in two hours. But when you find out what happened with the song The KKK Took My Baby Away and what it actually is, how it came about, and the fact that they had to play it every single night on the same stage together you will find that it might be the world's greatest diss track. Hmm. I will leave it at that. Please do your own research. Yes. I don't want you to explain any more than that because now I'm super curious about it. It's worth it. Mark with a C. You can find him on all the social media channels. You can find him on WPRK every once in a while. But for the most part, you should just go find him. 
please find me. Okay. Uh, MarkWithAC.com. You can find all the stuff there. And uh, uh, as I mentioned, the social medias. I don't know why I'm repeating myself. Maybe because I'm stalling to figure out what song I'm going to play next. How about The Sometimes? Let's play The Sometimes. That is one of, that, that's probably in my top 10 favorite songs I ever made up. Are you ever going to, so we mentioned this earlier, so you have a box set, your 20th anniversary best of. Are you ever going to put out on Spotify, say, a playlist of what you consider your favorite songs or what you consider the best of? You're getting too close for comfort. There's potentially something coming down the pike, potentially. Let me just underline that. That's going to be kind of more like the worst of Mark with a C, but it's going to be for hardcore fans nice. and it will be prohibitively expensive so that it doesn't end up in the wrong hands but it kind of has to be for the makeup of what it is but yeah i may actually do the hey here's a playlist these are my favorites these are the ones where i feel like i got it the most right but that changes day to day so what i've got to do is figure out what never changes if you listen to Mark, if this is the first time you're hearing him or you've been hearing him for years one thing i would ask you to consider is supporting him on Patreon as well uh, because then you have access to interesting things that are not necessarily available to everyone, but also because that helps fund the things that he's doing. So, for example, Obscurity, uh, which was your last album of original work, was basically underwritten through Patreon or helped. Oh, yeah. Underwritten through... That record uh, would not exist if it weren't for the Patreon... Patreon. Backers. Um, I think that, you know, we we discount in many ways the idea that buying songs is the only way to support. And there's more to it than that. Yeah, you can also listen on Spotify. That's a passive way of supporting uh, someone. But I think that, you know, if you want somebody to continue making art, if you want to support just like a small business, uh, you know, an independent artist, that's a good way of doing things. So I would ask you to consider doing that. I appreciate you saying that so I didn't have to. Thank you. Of course. Uh, So we will listen to the Sometimes from, uh, which album was it originally? This was on Exactly Where I Am, which tends to be one of the more underrated records, but I I rate it very highly, and I don't rate everything I do as highly as it may sound. You'll hear that on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to Odd Numbers.
The Sometimes on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, by Mark with a C. Um, always interesting to talk to somebody who wrote the song, who, you know, created the song. Um, you know, we tend to talk off air, then uh, sometimes that translates to on air and sometimes it doesn't. But when you're asked about songs online, do you do you get asked a lot about your songs and their meaning and what's behind it? And do you tend to answer or are you vague in the answer? Because sometimes you just want people to interpret it the way they want. Both. It depends on how I'm asked. I don't always like to tell people everything about the song because, well, there's a lot of wonder in the mystery. And especially Mm -hmm. finding out on your own when you set out to and not hearing it from the artist. There's... There's something to finding out the information but still not knowing that it's absolutely confirmable. I probably could have put that better in a grammatical sense, but hopefully you followed. It's very early. Thank you for putting up with me. Um, In the case of the sometimes, I used to say it's either about the three weeks out of the year that we're really working towards the other 49 weeks of the year, you know, when everything falls apart. Those are the sometimes. Or it's about the most polite street gang ever. They're called the sometimes and they just show up and they might spray paint stuff, but really just to make it less decrepit. Um, You can choose whichever meaning you'd like. Or I can put a third meaning if I wanted. What's your third meaning? Oh, the sometimes. Yeah. I think it's those, uh, those times in between when you just like, okay, I have this to do. I have this to do, and I kind of don't remember this at all. That can be one. Yeah. I like other people's uh, interpretations. I mean, remember, some people are going to hear this stuff. Yeah. And, but it's important, I, I, at least for me, not to think about that while writing. Oh, for sure. No, no, no. I'm thinking after the fact. It's recorded. It's done. It's as done as it's going to be. Oh, for sure. And somebody asks you about it in terms of like how how much do you want to share? Yeah. It depends on the song. If it's uh, if it's beneficial for people to know that, then I'll I'll tell them. But if there's a song that I think might be ruined by taking the mystery away, I won't talk about it. To this day, I still have not been. Uh, open about the song called You Do Not Exist. Mm. One, because I'm sworn to secrecy. I think I can tell the story if I leave out biographical details, but it's a song. It's the song that I'm asked about probably the most with no really, Mark, what does this mean? And I love hearing what people think it's about because they're so wrong. And But it, it's not in a I know something you don't sort of way. Mm-hmm. I love hearing how many different ways this thing can be interpreted because the story itself is so specific, you cannot possibly get it right. I couldn't have, even if I'd made that song 20 minutes and left in everything, including names and dates, you still would not get what that song's actually about. And that's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Uh, take They Might Be Giants, They'll Need a Crane. This can just be a bop. This is just kind of a fun song to sing along with. Or it can be the most devastating song about a divorce ever. It can be both. I don't need the Johns to tell me which 
meaning is right. Right. So it depends on the song. Sometimes I'll tell you, but if I think it'll ruin it for you, I won't. It's interesting. If you want to hear us talk a little bit more about songs that are meaningful to us and how we interpret them, so not necessarily Mark with the Sea songs, but uh, we did that on the last episode of Odd Numbers. So you mm-hmm. can go back and listen to that. I would encourage you to do that. I listened to it recently, and it was, it was a fun conversation. It's reminding me a little bit of that right now because at the time you were and I was thinking about songs that uh, were really influential mm-hmm. and these lyrics that, you know, these turns of phrases that meant a lot to us or that really hit us at a particular time. And I ended up going out and buying that David Byrne record. Did you really? I did. Yeah. What a fantastic album. Oh my God, it's so good. And, uh, but yeah, it's that same thing. It's that there were a couple of people, I remember you telling the stories of them not wanting to share or just like, uh, I think in the case of Thomas, I can't remember who it was exactly, but uh, they didn't even like the song anymore. And everybody's still trying to figure out exactly uh, what it was and what it meant. I don't recall which one you're talking about, but I'm nodding and smiling, yes. dear listener. Perfect. Speaking of nodding and smiling, every 20 years that a musician is out, they have to do a, a quiz. Always. Yeah, and I think that's a rule, and today's quiz uh, and guest is no exception. Uh, so we're going to do a quiz today. And it's news to me that this is happening, but oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I knew that it had to happen in the 20th year. I don't necessarily like to warn people that this is coming because there's real stakes. There's five questions. If you get one or fewer, which would be zero correct, we become bitter enemies. If you get all five right, we become best friends. Oh, man, that, that that's really playing with my insecurities. I know. Oh, and gosh. it also, like, what do you want? It's kind of fun to have a bitter enemy. Oh, no, no, it's not. Oh, okay. I, I don't do well with negativity. <laughs> um, let, let's see what happens. All right. So uh, I have Chris Crespo from the Simon Time Trivia Show. Uh, he and Simon Time both do trivia around town. And you can find uh, Simon Time on Facebook at the Simon Time Trivia Show. And so he'll be asking. It's not me asking the questions, Mark. Okay. It's it's science. Well, I mean, it's recording. Can I of somebody? Can I cheat? Yeah, of course. Really? Yeah. Why didn't you tell me that up front? <laughs> I would have already had my phone off airplane. But no, I'm going to try to do this without cheating. All right. Let's see how you do. Well, I mean, I can't possibly cheat. I don't have any materials or <laughs> advance warning. Here's Chris Crespo. Hey, hey, Nick, this is Chris Crespo from the Simon Time Trivia Show. Simon couldn't be here this week to ask the questions himself because he is busy doing stuff unrelated to this, and I can't tell you what it is because it is very, very secret. But in the meantime, I have five questions for you and Mark with a C to see who will be best friends or bitter enemies. Here is question one. Fill in the blank. Matthew. Blank. Luke, John, Mark. The answer we were looking for, Mark. That's right. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You're doing well so far. All right. Okay, one for one. And I hope we stay on the biblical side of things because I I know a little bit more than you'd expect. We're definitely going to get biblical. Oh, snap. If I know what you mean. I think you do. And so here's the next question. All right. Question number two. Name the singer and actor who ended his second marriage 
with Miss Universe 2000 in order to start his third marriage with Jennifer Lopez. Ben Affleck? There, there's a theme. There's definitely a theme to this quiz. Uh, I would say uh, Marky Mark. I don't know. I'm just get Mark Wahlberg. I'm going, so, trying to go with a Mark. <laughs> All right. That would be Mark Anthony. That is correct. Oh, gosh. So close. And he spells his name the proper way. The so. proper way with a C. Yeah. Yeah. There is a proper way to spell it. All right. Let's one right, one wrong. Oh, it could go either way. Let's see. Question number three. Which Boston area actor and performer only served 45 days of a two-year sentence for assaulting two Vietnamese men in the 1980s? I'm going to go with Mark Wahlberg, but he would have been incredibly young at the time, so I don't know what else to say. That would be the actor Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, it's a little uh, a little weird. I'm shocked that I'm right. <laughs> so, two, you're out of bitter enemy territory. All right. You're good. Maybe. Maybe. Question number four. Who pledged 99% of their Facebook shares to charity in the year 2015, leaving him nearly destitute with only hundreds of millions of dollars to live on? Well, that's hilarious, but I think I need a little more context than that. I mean, that's just, hey, who did something on Facebook? How am I supposed to answer that? Right. Um, someone named Mark, because, hey, your question was that vague, so I'm going to give you a vague answer. Okay. What? Like, really, I'm supposed to answer who got a whole bunch of Facebook shares and still had money? What? Who had still money, who still had money afterwards, yeah. That just... Why would anybody know that? Oh, uh, it may not be phrased uh, in a in the proper way then. So it's somebody who gave away 99% of his Facebook shares. Oh, his shares in Facebook. Yes. I, I'm shares taking it as sharing likes. on Facebook. Oh, obviously Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Sorry about that. That would be Mark Zuckerberg. Well done. Uh, yeah. I was like, what do you mean? Who shared a whole bunch on Facebook? He like, shared 99% of his shares and he gave them away. If I spent that much time on Facebook, yeah. I wouldn't have made all this stuff. <laughs> now I feel right. really dumb. No, you wow. got it. You got it. Finally, question number five. Name the 1990 action film featuring Steven Seagal and Keith David doing battle against Jamaican drug gangs in the city of Chicago. I've got no idea, but I'm going to say Mark of the... You heard me. I heard you. Let's, let's see if you're right. The answer is, of course, the movie Marked for Death. That's right. Marked for Death. Thank you guys for the trivia of this week. We appreciate it. You have a good one. Thanks, Chris. Uh, you can find Chris on all the social media channels. He's got a great podcast called Cinema Chris Pediso. And, of course, the Simon Time Trivia Show. Simon Time does trivia around town, I think, seven nights a week. So That's a whole lot of trivia. It's a lot of questions and sometimes the right answers. I, I got sometimes the right answers. <laughs> you did. But, yeah, the Steven Seagal one, there was no chance. Uh, 
action movies don't tend to be my jam. I, I, I just have a blind spot for them. I don't even notice they exist most times. Do you now want to make a song or an album called March for Death? No. Oh. That could change. Ask me in an hour. Okay, great. Let us play a song of yours uh, from the brand new box set. Maybe it'll be good. The best of Mark with a C, 20th anniversary box set. Three LPs, two CDs. One listener. One listener. I like it. The math adds up. Uh, I will repossess your heart. Yeah, this one uh, can go either way. Some people find this to be incredibly creepy. And uh, Chris Zabriskie, the prior drummer for Mark with a C, believes it's the best song I ever wrote. He said that once. I don't know that he still currently believes it. Um, the most succinct thing that I ever wrote. But uh, do you want to hear it and then ask me what it's really uh, inspired by? I do. I also want to ask you um, in terms of the writing process and what you were thinking, but also how early on in the process was this or in your career was this? This was in late 2008, early 2009. Okay. I was incredibly ill and this song was recorded. That This is the demo. It never got past that stage. I was so ill, I was recording this on my back in my garage. And you can hear in my voice just how congested I am. But I I was so dizzy and nauseous, I I couldn't get up. Yeah, I, I recorded every bit of this on the ground. Even the, uh, the drum, that part that was just done on my side you, with the floor yeah. tom. Uh, when I say I'm a lifer with music, but I will not let an idea go to waste no matter how I feel... This song's proof of it. Okay. Uh, so you'll hear that on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to Odd Numbers.
Loves the B-Sides on WPRK, Warner Park, Florida. Mark with a C is the name of the artist. Mark with a C is also the name of my guest today. Hello, everybody. Hey, Mark. Uh, before that, we played I Will Repossess Your Heart. We were talking a little bit about that song uh, right before we played it, but you were ill, on the ground, still making music. Yeah, I had the idea, and I didn't want it to go to waste, and I didn't want to forget what I'd come up with, so... The best way to do that was just to quickly record the just the skeleton of the song. Mm. And then uh, the illness didn't go away for nearly a year. And then I kind of chucked the album that I was making and just went, here's what I can finish. 
here's what's already done. And I put out those nine songs and that became the album Losing Salt. But in particular, that song was every day at work. Um, I used to work at Park Ave CDs locally. And uh, a big record around 2008 was the album, oh gosh, I forget the name of it, but it was the Death Cab for Cutie one that opens with I Will Possess Your Heart. And I thought, what if I just add two letters to it and then make it real short? And so it became I Will Repossess Your Heart. And then I went, well, what would that be about? And I I wrote those lyrics, just vomit them onto the page. And I went, well, that's pretty succinct. Let's go. And quickly recorded it. Felt better for the entirety of the time that I got to record something. Yeah. So it, it was a bit healing. It but was a bit of an escape from what you were actually going through. Yeah. And yeah. and the illness is hard to describe, um, but it's very, it's as described as it can be in my, my book. Maybe mm. it'll be good. My life is Mark with a C. But it was a, an illness I could not kick for nine years. And I've only really started digging myself out of the pit of it about five years ago. I bloated to the point where like I, I was just intensely overweight and my body just couldn't, I, my circulatory system was just blown. It, it was a bad period, but I kept working through it and I probably wouldn't be here if I didn't have music to keep me going through it. That was something that you didn't give up, couldn't give up, would you say? Yeah, that's it, the best way to put it. Yeah. I I continued because there was music to look forward to. One of the, it, when you, we talked a little bit about that off air and just hearing it now, um, it's not exactly a perfect parallel or analogy. I listen, uh, when I was working at WUCF, uh, it was the first time I was really exposed to jazz. Um, it was the first time that I listened to it, that I heard it. Um, and I found the artist that meant a lot to me. One was Jimmy Smith. Yeah. Who plays the Hammond B3 organ, which is now my favorite instrument no, no, I, of I, all time. Um, the Cat, uh, that that record by uh, Jimmy Smith. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was given to me by Jim Myers, drummer of the Mark with a C trio for Christmas one year. Blew me away. That one and uh, the one that he did with Wes, uh, the dynamic duo, the, that, that record so with good. 13. Oh, so good, man. So You're good. speaking my language, and I'm not that well-versed in jazz, so I'm glad you picked on... And so what was nice about that is because I had a show, I actually had to listen to a lot of music in order to put together my playlist. And another artist I came across was uh, Roland Kirk, as he was originally known, and then became Rasan Roland Mm -hmm. Kirk. And he had sort of three, I would say, uh, three distinct sets. He was a traditional jazz artist, now blind from the age of two, and taught himself to play 40 instruments at the time of his death, but traditional artist... Then he went kind of bebopping a little bit with mm-hmm. Quincy Jones. Um, and then he went into what can best be described as just experimental, like his own thing. Yeah, that's just the Roland Kirk period. Yeah. Um, but at 40 years old, he passed away, but he was still like in the studio recording music. Um, there's a story, a number of stories about him, but there's a story about these kind of last days where one of the producers or somebody who was in the studio is in a wheelchair and felt so bad for Roland Kirk that they got up out of their wheelchair so he could sit down in it to help him while he was recording. Wow. And I relate so, all too well to both sides. Yeah. So I think that, you know, there's that idea that this is, I wouldn't even call it an escape for you when you were sick. I'd say it was something you had to do. And while it helped you escape that feeling for a time, it was still something that, that was driving you to keep going. Yeah. There's also, 
an element of, especially in the more lo-fi period, the earlier you go, the more lo-fi I tend to be. Mm -hmm. But what I always found was that every time I tried to go back to a song to re-record it for better fidelity, a better flow, oh, maybe not get that, maybe uh, keep a stronger rhythm track, a more solid rhythm track. Every time it was always a compromise because I could never retain the original excitement that was in the recording. Uh, I Will Repossess Your Heart is a great, great example of that. I tried to re-record it a number of times and when I was feeling better and it it never hit the same uh, heartstrings. Uh, a great example of this is the song Stuck With Me. It's one of my favorites, probably my favorite pop song I've ever written. Mm -hmm. But Stuck With Me, I... I was coming down with a cold and I sing a couple of the lines very out of key and it's because I'm literally holding in a cough. But I have to record it that day or I will forget it because I know I'm coming down with a terrible cold and it'll be like three weeks minimum before I can sing this thing again. So I'm beating the clock. I'm racing myself to even capture it so I don't forget it. Then I plan to come back to it in a month, re-record it every time I have tried to record it since. No, the vibe is blown. It only was ever right when the excitement was there. Yeah, that magic only happens at certain times. We often think of the music process, you have to be in a studio, you have to be with a producer, but when it comes to you know capturing the essence of a song, that could still happen, and that might still be the best version. And that's kind of that what defines Mark with a C, is just capturing the excitement while it's there, trying to capture as close to when the muse hit as possible so I can transfer that to you because I might not hit all the right notes, I might not hit all the beats on time, mm -hmm. but what I can do is make the excitement contagious. If you would like to capture Mark with a C, uh, there are a number of different traps that you could use, or alternately, go to markwithac.com. Maybe it'll be good. My Life is Mark with a C. His new book is out now. Maybe it'll be good. The best of Mark with a C is his three LP, two CD box set of his best work and to make it even simpler right now and this is news nobody knows this oh. if you get the maybe it'll be good um book directly from me and don't go to another retailer mm -hmm. you get an immediate download of, of the, the entire box set very nice so you have something to listen to while you're reading uh there's a number of different other places you can go i would encourage you to start there i don't think you have any dates currently uh, but you will be airing, uh, or they will be airing on NPR, WMFE, an interview they did with you. My understanding is that it's going to air this Thursday. Thursday. Okay. Um, it was supposed to air last Thursday, but a lot of then stuff going Thursday on. happened. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure they'll have it up on the website. You can also dig into the uh, each album, Mark with a C, through the US Show, which is the USshow.com. Uh, you can listen to his in-depth interviews about each of his albums individually on that. Uh, Patreon, again, I, I mentioned this earlier. I would encourage you to go and consider supporting him there so that he can continue making uh, music in the way that he wants and the way that has been very successful for him for the last 20 years. He's doing something right, so maybe you should help out with that. That specific address is patreon.com slash mark with a C just in case you're looking for it right this second and thank you for thank doing you. that. Uh, you can also catch him uh, along with other podcasts, uh, Odd Numbers Episode 2. I would encourage you to go listen to that because we talk about musical influences. The original uh, episode uh, that Mark was on a, couple, a few years ago and uh, then 
I'll be yeah. honest, that episode of Odd Numbers, I think, was my favorite interview I did that year. Yeah. So props to you for making such a fun environment. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, what else? Anything I missed? Gosh, I do so much. I don't know. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll only know it when I'm in the car going, oh, I should have talked about that. Um, if you're if you're an out-of-state Mark with a C fan and you're listening to this, uh, one of the things that I think uh, you may not, it may not be secret anymore is you're looking to tour, but not in a conventional sense, is you're looking to do more of a, if somebody you know has a group of friends that might want to see you in a particular town, that sort of thing. Yes, I'm I'm very interested in maybe going to your house. Lex, uh, the less electricity that needs to be used to do the show, mm-hmm. the more interested I am. But the first date of the Hindsight is 2020 tour is going to be February 28th in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Nice. At... Um, the St. Paul Hilton, I think. It's the one right across from the Mall of America, and it's part of MarsCon Dementia Track. I'll be headlining Friday night, and that'll be a lot of fun. And there will be some dates very close to that to follow. I The only reason I'm not listing them right now is because I can't. They're not confirmed enough. Yeah. But there will be tour dates in 2020, which there are usually not for Mark with a C. I did a very short tour early on for the album Human Slushy where I decided I didn't like this very much. And instead, now I'm doing it in a way that makes sense to me, which is non-traditional venues. That doesn't mean I won't end up in a traditional venue, but I'm more excited the less traditional it is. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that. Let's shake hands. I'm shaking. Oh, boy. There we go. There's All the right. real one. Thank you. I, I left him hanging. I did a McDonald's commercial joke oh, from a boy. long time ago. So let's play last song, Music Can Heal. Um, this is a live version. And uh, we'll leave it at that. I don't think this song needs much explanation. I'm so thankful that people love this song. Yeah. And thank you for what you do, by the way, Nick. This oh, thanks, is man. fantastic radio art. I don't say that lightly. I take art very seriously. And... The world needs more shows like what you do. Thank you very much for having me here. I appreciate that. You will hear Mark with a C right now on WPRK. Winter Park, Florida, you're listening to Odd Numbers. You have been listening to Odd Numbers. You were listening to Odd Numbers. You may be listening to Odd Numbers in reverse. Who knows? Yeah. Make me feel-
every single crayon in the box And I'll get my car keys And we can find a lake and stare at the evening While laying on a blanket It don't take much more than Hello, how are you? Just a simple phone call We don't have to make love just hold me tonight and let me bomb your cigarettes and sing a one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Someone sang me a song for once. Make the pain stop. Make me feel like I'm wanted. Tell my daughter I loved her if the hood gets too much and I drink myself today. Kiss me for luck, help me stand up, make me a good man, a good father, make me someone you trust, someone who makes me for And that's the show. Thanks for listening to Odd Numbers, episode 30. Where do you go from here? Tell your friends, families, neighbors about how great this show is. Also visit toacertaindegree.com. That's T-O-A, certaindegree.com. Just a reminder that this and every episode is recorded live on WPRK 91.5. You can listen every Monday at 7 a.m. on your radio or streaming on the internet. That's when shows are at their peak freshness. Thank you for listening, and remember that the eyes are the windows to your soul, and your ears are the windows to your sinuses. Wait, is that your nose? <laughs> <laughs>